0: Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches, and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. Today's guest is Nathan Taylor. An Australian swimmer who was the youngest finalist in the 200 meter individual medley at the 2000 Australian Olympic trials. Nathan was a member of the Victorian Institute of Sport and a part of the gold medal relay team in the 2001 Youth Olympics. After hanging up his competitive swimming cap, Nathan found his way back to the sport in the role of swim teacher and coach. So Nathan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Faith. Thank you. So let's start off. What is your sporting journey?
1: Oh, how long have you got?
0: <laughs> We're in lockdown. Go as long as you want.
1: <laughs> We're in lockdown. Oh my gosh, my sporting journey. Oh, um, well, I think the crux of the start was my parents had an above-ground swimming pool, and they wanted me to be safe. So with that, you know, obviously keep an eye on me, but just not freak out like I probably. Most parents would if a child's near a pool. So at the age of five, they took me along to do some swimming lessons for safety. And uh, I think I really enjoyed that. The teacher saw potential in what I was doing and what I was able to do and said, oh, you know, said to my mum and dad, oh he should join the swimming club. So join joined the swimming club and I think I was this, the competitive beast within me. Um, so that sort of evolved and, uh, Probably around 1992, so how I probably would have been 10 at the time. So watching on the TV the Olympic Games that were in Barcelona, and Kieran Perkins, an Australian, winning a gold medal at the Olympics in the 1500 freestyle. So that was the biggest, probably the biggest motivator for me, I suppose, to to see, wow, an Australian is the best in the world, um, and obviously without knowing about Commonwealth Games and World Championships and stuff like that, but just. You know, wow, an Australian's the best in the world. Everyone in the world, he's this person that is the best in the world. So that sort of spurred me on. And then I suppose it just went from there. So, yes, uh, joining the club and then committing to training and the early mornings and, yeah, and swimming for a couple of different swimming clubs, uh, getting exposure at state level and national level and then international level at the end there. So that's that's probably the journey for me. Yeah, did you have any questions about that? (laughs) So
0: your event was the IM?
1: Yeah, it was my pet event in the in the end. I, I think um that's where I saw I suppose as you're going along, going up through the age groups at national level, you see opportunities where the events are maybe not as strong as other events and you think, you know, from one year to the next, oh maybe I'll train this next year, I'll train butterfly or Oh there's a big gap in the two oh, the two hundred butterfly. I think I could win a medal if I trained hard I could win maybe win a medal next year at nationals if I did some butterfly training so um yeah so the i m for me was i mean it was a bit of a you know be good at every, be good at every like sort of be good at everything butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and freestyle. Australia didn't really have an Olympic rep that was really really good. I think Matt Dunn at the time was sort of our best i m swimmer. And he was, yeah, I mean, at national championships, he was good at all of the events. So that's sort of where I wanted to be in the end. But yeah, freestyle, growing up, I was a freestyler. And then what going What goes with freestyle is backstroke a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you might find butterflies, okay, but always the worst one is breaststroke. For some reason, breaststroke is from a different planet and it's a totally different stroke and different event. And obviously because there's no above water recovery. So it's a bit more resistance, obviously, involved mm. with breaststroke. Um, special like more specialized training I think so so the breaststroke leg of my IM was always the slowest obviously but yeah it was always the most important and the coaches that I had were always saying breaststroke the third leg is the most important leg you need to work on your breaststroke and that was the bane of my training existence
0: yeah I wasn't a huge breaststroke fan
1: <laughs> no breast no they are all weird yeah <laughs>
0: So you swam in the 2000 Olympic trials is that right
1: Yes yeah, so I made the final of the 200 IM at the Sydney Olympic selection trials uh-huh. in 2000 I was 17 at the time so that was wow. a, sort of a feat to make it in the open nationals I mean there was plenty of age groupers that were you know on that sort of um stage and swimming really well at the Olympics always the olympic years in swimming are always you know, all the, all the swimmers come out of the woodwork and mm. it's a really strong national championships, which is obviously the selection trials. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I was very proud to make that final because it was what I wanted to do. It was a direction that I was heading in and I wanted to obviously follow it up four years later, if possible, to, to make it even further. But that was where I wanted to be. So yeah, it was really good.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And did that get you into the Sydney Youth Olympics yes it did
1: you've done your research haven't you
0: i did a sneaky little yep.
1: (laughs) yeah so um i think i was the youngest in that final so i was yeah the youngest um, male in that final so um that qualified me for the yeah the 2000 actually that was in 2001 so that Mm. was the 2001 um youth uh youth olympic games that were actually in sydney yeah so that was how that worked it
0: was probably early 2001 i think that's how they do it
1: Yes, January. You're right. Yeah. 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 I remember being hot.
0: (laughs) What was your experience? Like, obviously it was an international level competition, but it was kind of home-ish ground. How did you find that?
1: Oh, it was amazing. So we um, stayed in an old, um, well, it was a girls' school. So there was all the teams were in the same spot. So we had the US team. The Aussies, the Kiwis, I don't think there was a whole lot of Europeans, but there was um, maybe some Asians as well. And it was yeah, it was really good. It was sort of like a really good atmosphere. Yeah, I had a ball. The Aussies stuck together, played games together and and everything. So it was really good. And I enjoyed it.
0: And you walked away with some gold medals in the relays, is that right?
1: Yeah, so I did. Freestyle's a good event because you if you have to make sort of if you're in the top four you get in a relay. So that's, that's a little bit easier, I suppose, to, than being an individual event. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in those relays. I think it was the 4 by one or the 4 by 2 I remember doing a swim-off, actually, to make that team. In, yeah, we did a, a swim-off before the event started and I, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a good swim.
0: Oh, that's it. so cool. <laughs> You're a great swimmer, eighth. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Thanks. Did you become a VIS athlete before that or after that? Or when did that come in?
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah, I was, a, I was um in the VIS program, uh I think, from 16 or 17, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if any of your listeners know um how the VIS program works in the swimming scenario. So it's not like you go and then train at a specific pool. They just... Um, support you as an athlete, pay for your your, um, your coaching, uh, travel. So if you have a competition in another state, they'll pay for your travel. There's um, sports science that's involved with that as well. So they do your, your lactate testing and your, um all that. Like they have coaches and masseurs and and all that sort of stuff, and they just sort of look up, sort of just look over you and and uh, help you in that regard. So it's not like a specific area that you have to go. You're just part of the VIs program, and they look yeah.
0: And that's you right. get the benefits that go along with it, I guess.
1: That's right. Yeah, you get a uniform and um, you get a um, the VOS logo on your club cap. So that, <laughs> yeah, so it's good.
0: Well, that's pretty pretty cool. And then, so in 2001, you came out, so you were still an age grouper and you came out with the gold in the 200 IM, is that right? At Nationals?
1: At Nationals,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, so that, there's a story involved with that with that one but yes so 2001 I was 18 the national championships were at uh, in Melbourne mm-hmm. which was the home pool and yeah well, I suppose it was my biggest wish and and thing to to have that um being achieved was the gold medal in the 200 I, my pet event
0: that's amazing that's an that's such an achievement Nate. good on you
1: <laughs> thank you that was a lot of that was a lot of years Fiona to do that that was yeah. like mammoth effort yeah <laughs>
0: and so then you gave up or what happened then
1: <laughs> good question I um so I was swimming as it was early 2003 perhaps I was swimming as it turns out wanted to start making some money as a person <laughs> and uh-huh. living out of I mean the the, the assistance from the BIS is good for, for coaching and stuff but it Obviously, didn't put any money in my pocket, as such. I wasn't making any money, so um, or you know, from any um, sporting grants or any government assistance or anything like that. There's no income, Um, so I wanted to start doing that and get a job. So I I got a job, and then it just worked out. It was pretty hard to wanted to suppose take take a break to start with, just to work on this job thing, and um, yeah. So then it was, and it was away from where I was training. So it was a bit hard to get to training. And then I think um, it was just sort of a decision. I suppose in hindsight, I really didn't make to say, right, I've had enough of swimming, that's it. Mm. It sort of was just like, oh, well, you know.
0: A life transition.
1: Yeah, it was a life transition that was sort of thrust upon me, I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
0: As adulthood,
1: adulthood does. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Whoa, adulthood, yeah.
0: But you made your way back, and I know this because we worked together at Park as a swim teacher.
1: Yeah, so there was just something in my, in my spirit, I suppose, or in my soul that being connected to Frankston. Frankston was where I sort of started to swim at the um, Frankston Peninsula Swimming Club. Mm-hmm. And so I had a bit of an affinity with the area and so where I grew up, I suppose, and, and learned to swim. I always thought I want to work in Frankston, like as a swimming teacher. Like that would just be totally cool, you know, swimming teacher in Frankston. And watching the pool being built was amazing. Um, I would you know drive past and go, know, oh, yeah, oh yeah, look how far it's come now, and look at this is done now, and all that. And even previous years prior to that, I was part of the committee that sat the Honourable Justin Madden, who was the Sports Minister at the time. He came down to Frankston and heard a focus group that wanted this pool in Frankston, an in-ground covered Mm. 50-metre pool in Frankston because we had the pines, obviously, but obviously it's only used in summer because it's an outdoor pool. Um, Yeah, so there was a big, real big need for an indoor 50-metre pool and I was lucky somehow managed to get on this group and we voiced our concerns and our desires to this, to Justin Madden. And uh, yeah, and then that was all It happened. It happened years later, but at least that was getting the cogs working and the the process to get the pool in in Frankston that we needed.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And you were a swim teacher and also a bronze licensed swimming coach because we did our qualifications around the same time. Did you like gravitate more towards one or the other or did you like the different hats of both?
1: I enjoyed both. I think because of my competitive swimming background, I think the coaching probably appealed to me a bit more though yeah so passing my knowledge and experiences on to the kids was probably a big thing for me and the teaching was there to sort of back it up because obviously it's hard just making enough money to live on a coaching wage yeah With yeah hours wasn't being casual mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's yeah. Certainly... I remember we were at multiple pools a day me and you sometimes
1: <laughs> yep traveling to multiple pools that's always fun
0: yeah <laughs> so with this journey that you've had, you know, you started off as a swimmer and you've competed at an international level and then you found your way back in that grassroots. What yep. benefits has it provided you as an individual?
1: Community involvement and seeing kids do something. I think primary school age kids need to be doing something. And, and the learn to swim part of it was was very good. Having the school groups through the pool was fantastic to see that i remember doing that when i was little going to a, a pool to learn to swim but there's lots of benefits i suppose from swimming and physical i suppose is one thing so when i was an athlete myself there was the training that was involved we did lots of running we did gym and obviously that provides a certain uh, physique body wise that um that then i pass on to my my children hopefully and i think willow one of my daughters has my my legs, my my quads are quite strong because I I did lots of we had a weightlifting coach in one of the one of the clubs I was with, so that sort of built my legs up and running and stuff we did. So that yeah, so hopefully pass that on to maybe the next one that comes along. But definitely Willow has my legs. So that's good, and I can see the evolution in the human race from that. So that's good. I think the other thing too is is mental. Yeah. So having a mental capacity. One of my coaches was um, had this ethos which was never surrender so that has come with me uh throughout obviously through the rest of my life and I think one thing that made me laugh the other day was I I I rode between um my parents house and and my home on a bike and it was a little bit hilly and I just remember I did I don't think I stopped I, I maybe slowed my legs down but the never surrender ethos was coming through and I didn't yeah so that was sort of that's that's a benefit, I suppose.
0: Mm, I remember um, having a quote on my kickboard, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender.
1: Yep. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That's right. And then the other thing is the social. It's it's a big thing too. So being part of a club gives children friends that obviously outside of school, different friends, different things, different catch-ups. Back in my prime, uh, early 2000s, their Facebook wasn't around. So there's... There's people that I think of now from my past that go, oh man, I wish, you know, Facebook was around back then. So at least I could have put them on a a net, put them in a network that I can connect with still. Yeah. So there's, there's things like that, but being uh, like, I still have friends now that, you know, catch up from work, even through work. A brother of a swimmer, I used to, a guy I used to swim with, He's, he used to swim as well. We didn't swim together, but he used to swim. And, you know, oh, when are we going to go for a swim? Oh, you know, we'll go for a swim, we'll catch up, we'll just go and do some laps somewhere, you know. So that's always a good thing as well.
0: Oh, that's really awesome, Nate. That's three very good aspects of health, you know, mental, physical yeah. and social, and you've covered yep. them all.
1: Yeah, hope so. I hope so. I Did I do that without you asking me? <laughs> yeah. oh sorry because
0: I've written notes okay That's written amazing. Notes. no it's good
1: yeah um, oh, and the just oh the other thing too that I had to th- think about when you um sort of prompted me with those was mentors as well like I had through my swimming career I think I had three fantastic male role model slash mentors that that helped me and guided me and and nurtured my skills and talents, I suppose. And the first one was Ken Wallace at Frankston. He was a male coach that I had for a few years. And he, you know, when his time was up with me, he moved me on to the next coach, which was Wayne Laws. And Wayne Laws, you know, developed me more and nurtured me and got me that, uh, he did get me that gold medal at the uh, 2001 Melbourne National Championships. And then the final coach that I had um, was Mark Thompson, and he was another guy that was a fantastic and phenomenal um, person and role model and mentor to have. Yeah, so I've been lucky to, I know, obviously, my own father who, who would drive me to training that many times, early mornings, who was a fantastic role model as well. But just having all these fantastic male role models, and I think kids today maybe lack. Uh, uh, without being too politically incorrect I suppose having a good male role model is a little bit more difficult maybe perhaps today in today's times so I think um, yeah that's one thing I suppose has been handed down to me and been good to me so hopefully I can be a good male role model coach mentor in the future as well so that's that's probably one of the benefits I've received as well
0: yeah, and I've heard from a few people, if you do have that good, whether it's male or female, that good yep. role model, the legacy yep. actually continues through the swimmers you've coached. Like I know my coach, Rob Moon, his legacy will continue through me and then hopefully my legacy or his again will continue through someone else. So that's yep. pretty special.
1: Yeah, it is special when you think about that. It's, um, it's, in, it's, made, it's generational um, impacting.
0: I love that. <laughs> so, is there a lesson you've learned along the way that you want to share?
1: Probably persistence is the key, I think. When you talked about that gold medal performance at the 2001 Age National Championships, that and I said there was a big journey involved. It all started when I was 12. So, we went as a family to the National Championships. I wasn't swimming, but I went along. We went along as a family just to see what it was all about, how it worked you know, all that sort of thing. And I saw um, a, a guy that was maybe a few months older than me from Victoria who, who swam and won an, uh, a, a national gold medal. Wow. And that set me like, that's, wow, you know, Jason is a national champion. He's the fastest person in Australia. That was, that had a massive impact on me. So then the drive and the goal that I had from that point on was to be, you know, the best in Australia. So then the next year I qualified as a, as a national swimmer um, I went to nationals and had a good time. Uh, I think it, I think they were in Brisbane, and uh, yeah, I just went along and, and enjoyed the the event. Swam okay. I didn't swim phenomenal. Then the next year, I think I went along again and uh, perhaps made a final, which was pretty cool. Made a final, which is the top eight in Australia, uh, in one of my events. I can't remember which one it would have been. Um, maybe the IM. I don't know. Can't remember. Um, then the next year, still hadn't received, still hadn't got this gold medal that I was lusting after, or got, had a massive goal for. The next year went along, and I think I got a bronze medal when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think that's how that worked. Yep, so got a bronze medal. I'm like, yes, I got a medal, but it's not my gold medal. <laughs> I, still, I still want to be the best in Australia. So another twelve months of training, and then I, in the same, I think it was the two hundred IM again, and came second. And I was very close, very close to first, and it was ah, oh, it was agonizing. That was in Perth. the nationals in Perth, and I came second. And then the last year was in Melbourne, and that was where I finally cracked the gold medal that I was longing for for that many years. And so that shows that the training for that gold medal is five, six years mm. in the making. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a black, black line, up and down the black line eight nine ten times a week so you've got to have a good coach and a good good mentor to keep you in and good parents i think or a good parent keep you grounded and and keep you focused on what you're wanting to do mm. but it, you know if, if i had a you know got to the bronze medal and going oh well i'm not good enough to you know i've got bronze i can't get gold i haven't got gold and given up like that's you know there's a, there's more to the story than than that yeah persistence is the key
0: Oh, that's awesome. And it would have felt so good after the, you know, bronze and then the silver that you were standing there yep. with the gold medal around your neck. You're like, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I remember um, thinking, well, this is meant to be. And I remember jumping into the cool-down pool after the event. I'm just thinking, wow, like I just feel complete, you know. It's just, that's, the journey has happened. Like the prophecies happened. That's where it's meant to be. It was just amazing. And I was reminded, I was watching F1 Grand Prix. I don't know if you're into Formula One, Fiona, but I, was, I think I was on YouTube watching races, or a race from years gone by. I think Sebastian Vettel was world champion at the time. So it might have been from 2014 or 15 or something. And he went past um, Daniel Ricciardo. He 100%. went past Valteri Bottas in a car. So you look at that and you think, well, hang on, these people now, Ricciardo's in the top. Five top four drivers. Valtteri Bodas is, uh, you know, he's number two driver behind Lewis. So, yeah, these guys have got persistence as well, and they find themselves years later in maybe in a better team or or with more experience and the um, better racing, uh, and they they're better than where they were at the start. So you've got to realize that there's a journey to to be had and to be um to be taken.
0: Mm, you got to start somewhere.
1: You've got to start somewhere. That's right
0: and it's usually not at the top
1: <laughs> that's right that's right all about delayed gratification as well so people these days especially the, the generation that we're in now they they want instant gratification And it doesn't it's not the case and it's um something that you have to work towards
0: mm. and it's probably especially with swimming like a good way to learn that
1: yep yep
0: you don't really you, once you hit a certain age i know it's different for boys and girls but you don't get PBs anymore unless you really work for them and it takes a while.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's exactly yeah. right.
0: Have you been involved in a project where sport has been used as a tool for good to develop the community?
1: Yeah, so the, I remember doing, when I was at primary school, we did the MS Readathon, mm-hmm. you know, read books, that was pretty cool, but there's only so many books you can read before you sort of lose interest in that. So. Yeah, so fast forward 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, there's now an MS swimathon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is right up my alley. So that was something that I was participating in, um, I think, with yourself, Fee.
0: Did we do the Hastings one? Was it that one?
1: Uh, I did the Frankston one. Did you do the Frankston one?
0: Don't remember. You have.
1: You, you're, you're a seasoned MS swimathon participant. Um, I've only done a couple, but I remember doing one at Frankston. Mm. Um, when when park opened up and that was pretty cool with being able to go into the pool at oh we went in in a group must have been pretty late like early late like it might have been 11 or two or something or something in the middle of the night it's just just a cool thing to do to go to a pool and swim at like that time of the day that was good that had good community involvement good spirit um raising money for ms and uh getting as many people um involved as physically possible that's, um, that's a really good thing to do. And I think there's more and more pools coming on board with that event now as mm-hmm. well. So hopefully, I don't know if it happened this year through, through COVID, but hopefully it, it continues next year if we're able to do that.
0: Yeah, hopefully they can get it back up and running because it's a greatly run event and it's fun mm-hmm. and they do raise a lot of money in doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a I mean it's not a race, but you have fun and you can competition, you know. Um <laughs> there, you can rival it up with some with another team and have a bit of a fun racy thing. But yeah, at the end of the day it's it's a bit of yeah, it's just all around fun and doing the best you can.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome and it's my favorite event, if I can say so myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a bit of a legend in the MS Sumathon. I remember now, Fee.
0: Yeah, well,
1: yeah. In
0: a few years, it's been a little while, but it's definitely my favourite. <laughs> so Nathan, where do you see the future of sport? Uh,
1: that's a very ambiguous question, Fiona. Thank you I for know. that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think, um, where do I see the future of sport is on television.
0: Cool. No <laughs> joke.
1: I think with the inception of the AFLW I think we're seeing women involved in in sport a lot more and I think that's um, a fantastic thing to be happening I suppose at this point in time so yeah having females have a much bigger participation opportunities is where I probably see the future of sport the female uh, T20 World Cup is a big thing to the to happen to australia um, so that's that's a good thing, I think evolving women's sport is what is going to happen from here on. I think, yeah, an encouragement for women to participate more and and be good because there was a period of time there where females would start a sport and then die out, and that mm-hmm. was because there's no opportunity for them to do continue on, yeah, I think that issue is starting to be addressed now yeah. and, and improved. so that's that's a good thing, so hopefully women. would would be equal with the males in in sport in the future. I think that's a good thing. And I've got two daughters of my own, so um, I want them to have good opportunities as well. So that's probably where that comes in. Um, I think tech, obviously technology will be evolving and improving consistently all the time as well. So that's, I mean, one of my favourite sports is soccer. So the goal line technology is one of the things that sort of just come in. I know there's continual improvement in cricket as well. And it just makes spectator sport better as well, so the the issue that I have with the future of sport is the betting yes so that, I think that 's a big issue i mean there 's a couple of people that spring to mind um, david schwartz he has he had major issues with gambling, um, Brennan favola, big issues with gambling lost these guys have lost lots and You know, you watch a a footy match on on television and every ad is, whatever it is, you know, you can blur that name out, whatever it is. But always gamble responsibly. Like that's just, don't put it on. Like it's just crazy to see that many ads for betting and with people with issues and problems with gambling, I think that needs to be cut right back because 10 years ago there was nowhere near, nowhere near as many ads for gambling on TV for for sport and stuff. So that I think, one of the big issues that we need to address with sport in the future.
0: Do you think that it's because the betting funds some of these sports? Like, it's no longer a a wholesome sport, it's more entertainment?
1: Yeah, probably. That's probably the case, without knowing a great deal. One thing I do know is I think the UK... Olympic team, I know perhaps were um, funded by a lotto foundation or lotto um, subsidiary or something or other that funded the Olympic team. And they had athletes, I think, for 2012, it might have been. And they got a whole lot of good coaches and stuff internationally to train their Olympic athletes. Um, And they poached, were able to poach the best coaches from sports. Not from the UK to bring them to the UK to coach their athletes, and that that paid off big time. I think they had an amazing 2012 Olympic Games on their on their home soil. So, um, yeah. So these these sort of um, machines and monsters, I think, do have have yeah have some sort of role in developing the sport. But there needs to be, I suppose, a happy medium where people where it's not. I don't know. It's 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 a tough question, and it's tough. Tough to find the happy medium, I think, or the line.
0: Yeah, I think they've really got to regulate it if it is yeah. to be for good.
1: What do you think what do you think about that as well?
0: Well, I think that, you know, obviously being in the middle of a pandemic, the only sports that were really allowed to continue were sports that had bedding. Uh, yeah.
1: So horse racing you mean horse
0: racing? Horse racing and AFL both continued.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And nothing URL? Hmm.
1: Yeah, you got but a point that, there.
0: That's an, you know, that's just a somewhat educated guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It does need to be regulated better, I think, you're right.
0: Mm. Yeah. So Nathan, do you have any other gems or advice or anything you'd like to share with us?
1: just in today's day and age, I think you just need to get out and do something. I think um, a walk, a a bike ride, a family activity to do outside. Um, Yeah, get out and enjoy the sunshine and get and be physical. I think the life being it, people are threatening to bring back their mascot. I think, what was his name? I can't remember his name. We need to be a bit more vigilant with our physical activity. So get out and do something. Well, one thing that I, found out through a friend who, when I was in the teaching of swimming game a few years ago, he said, um, all you need to do is swim for 20 minutes a day. So people go to a pool, they think they need to swim for an hour to see any benefit, but it's 20 minutes a day, continuous swimming for 20 minutes, um, I think three or four times a week, Mm. and you will see gains and improvements. So I think I took him up on that test and documented what I did, Um, and the kilometres that I travelled. And, uh, yeah, I've found a massive benefit physically and even mentally to get in and do some exercise. Um, Mm. So so that was fantastic. Yeah, I recommend that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we've got to make it fun. And if you don't want to follow that black line for an hour anymore, then do it for 20 minutes because it's better than nothing.
1: That's correct. That's Mm. right.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nate
1: no worries thanks so much for having me and it's been great to catch up and, and chat so um yeah thank you and all the best with the podcast
0: thank you thank you and we've really loved you know learning a little bit about your journey and where you see sport so thank you again
1: no worries at all thanks v. thank you for
0: listening to beyond sport with fiona stewart If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.